Welcome to the 4th Down Experience, the podcast devoted to special teams. Your host of the 4th Down Experience, former pro free agent, nine-year professional kicking coach out of the Midwest, Coach Chris Hughesby. Alongside Coach Chris Hughesby is a former two-time Arena Bowl champion, nine-year pro kicking coach repping the South, Coach Brian Jackson. Merry, Merry Christmas. We are here on the 4th Down Experience for Episode 7, and man, we are thankful. Chris, how was your Christmas, man? Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in. This is our Christmas holiday episode. Uh, my Christmas was great. I ended up beating three of them in a row. We did one with uh, the Hughesby side of the family, then we did one with just our immediate family, and then we did one with the uh, my mom's side of the family. So uh, got three in. The kids loved it. It was it's uh kids are seven and two, or sorry seven and four, and um, <laughs> it's kind of like a special age because they they starting to get it. They kind of understand the meaning of Christmas. They they're all into it. So it's uh so it's fun. So how was yours? Yeah, Christmas was great. I got to be with my parents and and wife and kid and, and did a great job. It was so much fun. And like you said, it's just a really fun age seeing them, uh, just kind of innocent and just showing their their feelings and just seeing, like, I, I kind of like the difference between last year and this year for Corbin. He was two last year or three this year, like, just his speaking skills. So you can, and also his wrapping skills, like, as far as, like, the wrapping paper, trying to open up the present, like, he really struggled last year, and this year yeah. he did better. So it's kind of cool to see. It's just weird because, like, you know, like, you get to see probably, like, what we did when we were kids, but, like, I don't remember being three years old, you know? So, yeah. like, it's just really cool seeing, seeing it through there, you know, their eyes yeah exactly so it was, it was a lot of fun and got to eat some pretty good food so it was fun yeah question for you did you get your dogs a christmas present uh no we didn't we um we wanted to though after we forgot <laughs> so like we <laughs> nice. have we have like a bunch of treats and like doggy bones so we um we just gave them like a couple of doggy bones that we already had nice. you that's what we did we did pepperoni and some <laughs> other beef stick things so Cool. Uh, so it was all good. Nice. Well, we got an awesome show for you guys today. This is episode seven. We're so close to 1,000 um, listeners, and we are very thankful for that. Uh, Chris, I know you wanted to thank a few people that have helped us along the way with this podcast, um, you know, this 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 whole new venture for us. Yeah, so it's the spirit of Christmas, spirit of the holidays. Uh, just a few people we wanted to thank. One is uh, Joey Keener. He is the guy that created us our sweet intro and outro. Uh, we've received a lot of feedback on that. A lot of kids like that and think it sounds really cool. So thank you, Joey. Uh, other guys we want to thank here, uh, Declan Brown and Andrew and Sarah. These are uh, actually some former St. Thomas football players. They started a podcast called The Back Pocket and um, and happened to be talking to them one day about a podcast and and, and Declan said, hey, you know, we do a podcast, too. And I was like, oh, really? As a matter of fact, my friend Brian and I were uh, thinking about creating one, too. And we just started talking. And he gave us a lot of great advice on how to get these things going. And and so, you know, we do want to thank those guys at the Back Pocket, which is a fantastic and funny podcast, mainly for college students, uh, but tied into uh, St. Thomas, which, which for me is enjoyable to hear. So thank you guys as well. Thank you, guys. Yeah, we couldn't do it without you. I mean, we it was a kind of a long process. 
um, but tedious process, but we got through it. And, and again, thanks again to Joey uh, for making those those cool little jingles is what I call them at the beginning and then really makes the makes it fun. Yep. So thanks, Joey, Andrew, Declan, and everybody else that's been involved along the way. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you guys for listening. I mean, obviously, we wouldn't be at uh, you know 900-plus um, listeners if it wasn't for you listening to us. So thank you so much, and, and we are so excited about our future lineups. We have a great guest today, but just heads up, we have several NFL specialists that once their season ends, uh, some are, you know, have already been going to be ending here soon, um, have already uh, confirmed doing interviews with us, and we are so excited to get some NFL snappers, punters, and kickers on the show, as we've already had a couple, and it's just great because you don't get to hear from these, these specialists, and, and you do on the 4th Down Experience podcast. Yeah, I'm excited about the lineup. Like you said, the people that have, have confirmed our next interviews for the for January, it's going to be great. So, and, and we got some exciting ones along the way. We've been holding off on asking a few people because we wanted to get through the season, but we got some exciting interviews um, that we want to coordinate too, and we will announce those as they come. So stay tuned. So going in our first segment, as usual, we like to do our top five special teams plays from the weekend. And with football still football season still lingering on, um, which is a good thing for us uh, and for really, you know, when the season ends, arena ball will be getting started. So, I mean, we're going to be having a lot of interesting top five segments. But um, Chris is going to go ahead and start us off. All right. For our number five play of the top five segment, we got a help wanted ad here. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings are seeking an experienced long snapper after snapper Kevin McDermott goes down last game. So any free agent snappers out there? Hit up your agent and give the uh, Minnesota Vikings a call, all right? Opportunities, baby. Opportunities. Hey, last game of the year and a playoff run. Vikings are one of the hotter teams right now. You could get uh, four more games out of this thing. So uh, good luck to anybody out there that is seeking and vying for that long snapper spot, whether it's one game or the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, if I were you guys, I would just uh, put five balls out there, snap five in a row, hit the post or, or whatever, and then tweet at the Vikings and just – just be persistent. Yeah. And now number four, Brian, you got that one here. Yeah, so the Army-Navy game is always a huge matchup every year. There's tons of folks in the world that uh, love watching this game. <clears throat> and actually, uh, Bennett Boring, the, the kicker for Navy, um, had an opportunity to, to nail a 48-yarder uh, to, to win this thing in the final second, seconds. And if he made it, it would have been his personal best. He was very confident in doing it. He crushed it. It was snow everywhere. Um, it, you know, tough conditions for a 48-yard attempt on any level. And he, he had plenty of distance, but it just went wide. Uh, but there's an awesome article out <clears throat> uh, where it's called Navy Kicker Turns Last Second Lost into, into a Lesson in Leadership. And so I think you guys should really read it because it's, it's pretty awesome. Bennett uh, could have easily just, you know, been down in the dumps and just said, hey, screw it, I'm just – you know, I'm just not going to address this thing. But he, he turned it more into it's a leadership um, thing for him. And, and he said days later, he's quoted here, I'll never forget that my team wouldn't let me fall, even though I just let them down. Uh, so in the locker room, he sat with his helmet on, weeping his teammates, coaches approached him to say the defeat, you know. But um, he can't really recall most of the details because it was a blur for him. And uh, he's saying here himself, there's no way it can end like this. There's something else we can do. There's There's got to be something else we can do. So um, he's turned this thing as, as a motivational piece, 
uh, getting better. It's the only option. And I think you guys should really check out the article. Again, it's uh, it's by um, Juliet Macker, Sports of Times, Navy Kicker Turns Last. I really appreciate a young college guy like this uh, turning um, a piece of adversity into something as motivation for him. And I think it helps that he's at the Navy, uh, you know, at that that institution and, and that piece of military because I think those folks really harp on, you know, life goals, not just current football goals. Yep, and we will tweet this out on the 4th Down Experience Twitter <laughs> handle so you guys can read it uh, yourself as well. Cool. So what's number three? Number three, a rookie kicker, Harrison Butker, setting team records for the Kansas City Chiefs. He missed the first three games of the season because he was signed um, into the fourth week. However, has broken two re- uh, kicking records for the Chiefs. One is he kicked 36 field goals in a season, which is amazing. Uh, two more than Nick Lowry. He's a legendary old-school kicker. And then he also has kicked at least one field goal in 12 consecutive games, which beats Lawrence Tyne's record as wow. well. So congratulations, Harrison. Yeah, Harrison actually got alternate for the Pro Bowl. So oh, that's fantastic. So I think um, Zuerlein for the Zuerlein, Rams. Yep. And uh, who was the other kicker? Uh, yeah, we should know that one. But we should know it. But I think if either of those kickers end up in the Super Bowl, then Harrison could get his number called to um, to play. Actually, it'll be interesting <laughs> to see how it plays out. Zerline, he got put on IR actually just this last week, and oh, the Chiefs are in the playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see if Harrison does get that chance to play in the Pro Bowl. And then or now, not. now, but Harrison may end up playing in the Super Bowl too. Never know. That's true. Cool. All right. So going to number two, uh, uh, this is kind of this is this is like the Adam Vinatieri of this generation, um, uh, you know, and that's a debatable topic. But but Justin Tucker is a favorite among very young kickers. Um, he's a favorite among not only young kickers but a lot of people in general, and he is crushing it right now. He um, was just posted on the NFL recently on their Instagram account. J Tuck Nine is now the fastest pure kicker in NFL history to reach 800 career points in 95 games. That's amazing. Congratulations. Yeah, Justin Tucker is super talented. Uh, just got really quick leg speed. He's got ice in his veins. Man, the dude's just on another level. And and to get 800 career points in 95 games, the fastest pure kicker in, in history, that's, that's quite a feat. Yep. And, Mr. Tucker, we would love to have you on the fourth down experience. So Definitely. I mean, we're getting a lot of other NFL specialists. Might as well have you on there, too. Yep, exactly. So we'll, we'll, we'll be connecting with you soon. <laughs> number one, All right. Chris. All right, and our number one play of our top five of the week goes to a female kicker by the name of Kehlani Nava. She became Texas's first female kicker in high school to kick and score points in the state title game for Texas. She attends uh, the Strawn School. And plays in a uh, Class 1A Division II uh, level, which I think is actually a six-man football. So, regardless, it's pretty amazing to uh, make it to make it that far in the playoffs, let alone get your chance to score some points. So, congratulations, Kalani. Yeah, uh, it was a super successful story. It went viral. Uh, I got to see her kick down there in the the stadium down there in Dallas um, uh, via film. You know, watching watching it, and it was pretty pretty cool watching her crush the ball. And uh, she loves it. Yeah, she's got a pretty good leg, so congratulations to her. 
Yeah, so that's our top five for um, uh, episode seven here on the Fourth Down Experience podcast. Uh, lots of great um, things going on in the special teams realm every weekend. And, you know, if you guys still have other things that y'all want to send us, if you do a really cool trick shot or you're doing something cool out in the community, make sure you tweet us at Fourth Down Experience or even at our personal handles at Special Teams FB for Chris and Team Jackson Kick uh, for me for Brian. So, um, Chris, we, we have a pretty awesome guest on our show, someone that we're very familiar with, huh? Yes, we are. Well, we are excited for this guy because not only are we going to talk football, but we're going to talk about the extra things that it takes to become a successful specialist as well in terms of body maintenance and things like that. So excited to give this guy a call. Yeah, and we really hope you guys like listen to this whole thing because you guys text us and, and DM us on Instagram all the time asking us, Coach, what can I do to get stronger? How can I kick and punt farther? What What should I be eating? What kind of energy drink should I be drinking? Literally, the next hour we're hoping for is what we got allotted for this guy. We have an hour allotted for this guy, and we're hoping to fill that hour to give you so much knowledge and informational um, pieces of inf- pieces of information that are very valuable for you. So we really hope you listen uh, to this next interview. And now heading into our second segment of the Fourth Down Experience podcast, you guys know how it is. We have our special guest appearance. His name is Bradley Hatfield. He played at Sioux Falls. He just signed an arena contract. We are so stoked to have him on. Brad, how are you, man? Good, guys. What's up, my Midwest and Southern brothers? <laughs> Doing well, man. Welcome to the podcast. How's Thank you. There, Honestly, uh, it's a pleasure to be on here. I'm, I'm very grateful to talk to you guys on here. Episode 7, lucky number 7, Brad. Hey, lucky number 7. You need 7 to get, you know, the PAT is the 7th point, right? So we're good. We're good. That sounded like some high-level ish that us southerners would not understand (laughs) and probably only northerners and west coast people would get but look hey brad hatfield is a 2010 manteca high graduate for those folks that do not know what that is he is from california if you go to his instagram page b underscore hattie h-a-t-t-y look at his haircut you'll be like dang this dude's from cali he's sick with it He's an AdvoCare rep. He benches like 700 pounds. He's got like really good-looking girls that like his post. And he's a really good kicker and a specialist, a Christian. And he's a fantastic coach at our events. And we are so stoked that Brad is going to be playing professional arena football this spring. Yes, thank you guys. Thank you guys. I appreciate that. Yeah, so Brad, you know, since we're talking about arena already... How's uh, training going for the big season, and when does it start? And who are you playing with? Uh, training is going very well, honestly. Um, I'm very grateful to have the facilities here in my hometown to use um, indoor, especially during the wintertime, um, just to utilize indoor turf and some nets with some uprights on it and uh, just kind of prepare my way. Um, getting ready to report February 3rd. Um, I report February 3rd in Nebraska. Um, Grand Island, Nebraska specifically, and uh, we have a little bit of a mini camp before um, our first game, which is on February 18th, and we play the Iowa Barnstormers to open up the season. Oh, that's uh, Kurt Warner's old team. It is. It is. Dang. So, yeah, Brad, so we kind of – 
I pretty much fast forwarded through your whole career straight to pro ball. Uh, so let's let's track backwards for our viewers and uh, talk about um, your high school and college JUCO and college career. Yeah, absolutely. Um, believe it or not, my first down of football was my freshman year of high school, and uh, with a soccer background. Um, the coaches knowing about that, they just asked, hey, come out here and give it a shot. And landed the job ever since, um, all, all the way through um, my high school career. Um, Antigua High was, you know, a small D3 school in the Central Valley of California. Um, didn't really go to many camps other than one um, my senior year. Um, and that was basically um, my first camp that kind of got me on the radar with uh, schools for recruiting and even though I was uh, an all-league kicker, um, an all-section kicker here in uh, California, Northern California specifically, um, I wasn't really a radar guy. You know, I didn't. I wasn't a top prospect. You know, I wasn't very highly recruited, and um, just knew that uh, I was going to be going to the JUCO route. And I went to San Joaquin Delta College, which is only about 20 minutes north of me um, in Stockton, California. Played two years there. I uh, won a bowl game my sophomore year, um, was All-State for uh, junior colleges um, in California, and um, didn't really have any doors opening still, um, even after my second year at JUCO. Um, really had a kind of a panic attack, really didn't know what I was going to do. Um, had my faith really tested about, you know, doors not opening. I'm just kind of, you know, sitting in this hallway, so to speak, just waiting for one to open, and... Uh, one finally did, and it was a school that I sent nothing to, um, didn't even know about, you know, and they ended up getting a hold of me saying, hey, we saw your film, we saw your transcripts, will you sign now? And this is actually, I want to say, June of that summer. Um, signing day was long gone, you know, months away. Um, I'm sitting in a, a drive through I believe it was a Jack in the Box drive-through. Oh my Kids god, Jack not. in the Box is so good. Oh, dude, the breakfast menu, fire. <laughs> it's a brunch menu now. So good. It's even, oh, yeah. it's even better sitting, that you got that phone call. There. there, I was sitting in there, and uh, um, special teams coordinator calls me on the phone. Says, "Hey, this is Coach um, Tucker. I'm from Sacramento, recruit California. We saw your stuff. We want we want to sign you." And uh, lo and behold. You know, the rest is history, you know, signing with the University of Sioux Falls Cougars. So. What did you think of the Midwest when you moved out here from California? Oh, man, there's so many great things about the Midwest, uh, Coach Hughesby. I mean, like, being born and raised from California, it was such a great um, transition of just, like, culture, like society. You know, and that's one thing that I noticed when I first got off the plane. I mean, there's... You, you guys are really genuine, you know, out there. I think we need, like, West Coast people need to take a lesson and maybe take a vacation to the Midwest and just live out there and kind of learn how to really live and be living with other people, you know. Everyone's at a, a really slow pace. No one's in a hurry. You know, people hold the door open for you. I kid you not, there's places you could pump gas before you pay for it. And that just blew my mind. Yeah. Like, that would never happen in California, ever. Um, now, now having that said, all the good stuff, you know, I would say the weather is insane. You could have literally all four seasons in one day and that's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> that is, 
That is that is crazy, and I didn't know what cold was until I went, really went out there. I thought, you know, 30 degrees, you know, clear skies was cold, but, you know, then when you put a little dash next to the 30 that says negative 30, that that's that's what's that's what cold really is and uh that was a an eye-opener right for me, so for just, sure. just for our lis- listeners brad, uh, brad, all 100% yeah correct. so brad basically was in california in juco ball and then he went d2 to sioux falls which was in south dakota so for those folks that have never heard of that state before it is a state in the united states of america uh, brad went to it uh, uh, for school and played football for two years uh, before getting ready for his pro free agent route. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't even spell Sioux Falls when I get out there. I mean, it was just like, where the heck am I? I'm in a whole different world. They had some really cool waterfalls, hence the name. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm here to play some football and get a education paid for. So, you know, that was the door that got opened up for me. And I knew there was a lot more in store than just football. And you know, I'm just grateful to you know have an opportunity in hand. So. It all, it all was, uh, it all was a great, great testimony. That's great. Now, did, didn't you say you, your brother or cousin played there as well? Didn't you have like an, uh, an interesting connection to Sioux Falls? Yeah, I had one guy that I knew, um, and it was my cousin who was a, a year ahead of me. So when I came into Sioux Falls, I came in as a true junior, and um, I had a cousin. His name is Chris Harris. He was the long snapper. Um, for uh, USF, uh, University of Sioux Falls, and uh, he was just a year ahead of me. So I, I was actually fortunate enough to play one year um, with him as my long snapper. So that was honestly such a huge blessing for me because I went into a place where I know nobody at all and, you know, trying to make new friends, you know, fit in the new atmosphere basically and a new way of living and getting to know players on the team. I knew one guy, you know, personally from back home or from the same area um, out here in California. And um, it was uh, a lot of fun, you know, to play with him and just kind of do life with him out there in the Midwest at the same time. What was your most memorable game in college, uh, whether it was Juco or um, at Sioux Falls? Oh, definitely our crosstown rivalry um, my senior year um, against Augie. Um, Augustana College or uh, Augustana University, excuse me, but we call him Augie, and we always had this thing called Beat Augie, and uh, we have it's called the game uh, Key uh, Key to the City. Um, so whoever gets the the win gets the key to the city, and there's a really cool trophy about it. And we were playing at their house, and uh, uh, that was probably my best game and most memorable because it was cross town. Uh, went three for three with a long of forty two. And uh, my points were pretty vital just because we only won the game by, I think, seven. And it was just really neck and neck. So, I mean, those opportunities were uh, were very uh, vital um, in the game situation. And you got about 8,000 fans screaming at you, wanting to miss it. So I'll never forget the feeling that, uh, that it gave me and, like, the fire that was really in my belly of, you know, coming out with the win uh, that day. Nice. Oh, nice. That's great. So, what? Uh, I'm just curious. Uh, how did the season, how did your teams finish each year? The two years you were there, how did you guys finish in the conference, the NSIC? Oh yeah, the NSIC. Um, well, I mean, with the conference being um, split, um, you play the north. Like being a southern team, you play half of the north um, every other year. So you play one half one year, then you alternate the second half the other year. But my junior and senior year. 
um, were kind of complete opposites from each other. We went five and five my uh, junior year, and then we went nine and two my senior year, and just missed playoffs. Um, I believe was some kind of tiebreaker with the team um, down in the uh, in the south. I believe, and uh, we just didn't get. Did you win a conference championship that year? We we shared it. We shared it with Mankato. Did um did what was your college uh, head coach's viewpoint like on sharing a conference championship? Did you get like a ring or anything? Um no, we didn't get a ring, but we got you know a bunch of apparel and uh and and stuff like that. But um um no 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 ring no uh gotcha. no uh. uh Things like that, but uh, yeah, we just got to some hats and um, all that good stuff. Cool. That's awesome, man. Well, great. Well, uh, one of the big things we wanted to talk about or talk to you about on this podcast here is a subject that we get questions about all the time. And if uh, if you follow Brad's Instagram account, B underscore Hattie, H A T T Y. Um, you're all going to see that he's big into fitness and nutrition and just being overall healthy. I mean, he's got a Zeus body. We're all envious of it. But um, <laughs> I ask questions all the time, man, about, about nutrition and everything. So Yeah, we get questions um, asked about Brad's body all the time on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. uh, I need to know who those people are, man. What the heck? <laughs> So our first question, you know, let's touch let's touch upon nutrition first, and then roll over to, to, to the weight room and, and working out and things like that. But you know, you've been you know I've known you for probably three four years now. You've always been fit. You know how important is nutrition and what you put in your body? Um, you know we all know you got to eat healthy, but how does it relate to just being a kicker and how does that help? Um, yeah, I mean, man, that's a, a big question, a really good question. But um, I would say, especially when you're talking with, you know, high school kids or kids in college and, and stuff like that, there's so many things in, in, like, a young man's body that's going on in that age age group. So I would always say this, you know, I mean, there's a lot of um, good diets out there that could be very beneficial and, you know, give an athlete an edge, um, you know, to their – to their sport or to competition, um, of course, you know, there's always going to be something out there to have like an extra edge on somebody. The higher that like an athlete climbs, um, in competition, um, you know, it just gets more competitive, you know, so who, who's going to be doing the extra, you know, there's always things like that. But I would say for a high school kid, a college kid, when it comes to nutrition, um, I think nowadays there's so many things that just become so trendy you know, and gets people's attention just because of the lack of knowledge and like the lack of um, not really knowing for themselves. They just see other people do it and see the results they get. So they just kind of hop on the train or the bandwagon, so to speak. And yeah. um, specifically, specifically with like nutrition alone, with everything else to the side, a lot of people nowadays, you know, are starting to figure out, you know, what to eat and what not to eat, you know, what's good, what's bad, what's beneficial what's not beneficial um and that's good that's good knowledge to have but i mean i think the biggest secret to nutrition that people aren't necessarily aware of fully or haven't tried for themselves is the when to eat what you know a lot of people know what but a lot of people don't know when to eat what especially 
um, for an athlete, and depending on the athlete, but specifically for kickers and punters, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of things that they could be doing, you know, that's going to help them, but it's not necessarily so much um, of what, uh, in my opinion, especially going, like, kind of going back in my head thinking about, you know, my journey, but how much, you know, they're eating. Are they eating enough, you know? And a lot of people think, you know, as an athlete, like, oh, I'm just going to be eating light, you know, I'm not going to be eating too heavy. And it's like, man, if you understood the regime of a very, like, uh, uh, powerhouse high school program or a big D1 single-A college program, you would know why you need to be just shoveling calories in, in your body because you're going to be on a program to where you're working out and training all the time, even just as a student, just to be awake and alert, you know, and, um, so, I mean, I think there's various reasons why it's very important. And I just think there's a lot of reasons that are a lot more important than um, some other reasons um, would be, essentially. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, it depends uh, whether you're in high school or in college because you have different workout regimes that you're, you're under depending on the level. And so uh, a good common question maybe to ask is uh, because, you know, the c- couple questions we have are kind of broad and, and you're giving good info so far, but, like, what are what are some – some everyday foods people tend to love that aren't good for your body? Honestly, I would probably say anything processed or refined. And just to kind of speak on that for a second, especially with the the country that we live in, um, there's a lot of things in foods that, you know, become like inhibitors and kind of become very addicting to where it's like, oh, I just love these things. I always have a box of them in my pantry or in my house or whatever. It's like I just can't let these things go. And it's like, man, you know, um, it's it's kind of sad to see, you know, certain things kind of be, you know, mastering someone's like, man, I just got to have it, got to have it. And it could be anything with food or drinking um, or anything like that. I mean, sadly, you know, you have, you know, certain uh, – athletic drink companies that have, you know, all this high fructose corn syrup in it. It's like, man, people get addicted to that stuff or like soda pop, you know? And it's like, you know, you have all these things that are, you know, popular but aren't necessarily the best for you, but people get so um, attracted to them because it's like, man, they kind of just fiend for it. So anything processed or refined as an athlete, for sure, I would stay away from just to – just to consider for your better overall health um, alone. I mean, there's a lot of things as an athlete you can get away with that won't necessarily like hurt you, you know. But just for someone that's looking for that edge or looking for looking for that something that's better for them, that's going to make them perform better, feel better, and just be overall um, well in their overall wellness. Um, anything processed or refined, um, just don't consider it. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna dumb this down here for the everyday guy because I remember going through high school and you're hearing all these words and, and I just felt kind of dumb to to not ask them, you know, like what are carbohydrates and all that stuff. And I just I didn't, either I didn't put enough effort into really learning it, but uh, why don't you just explain what what processed food are and just kind of dumb it down and give some food examples so so if somebody kind of oh, doesn't know what yeah. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I would say, I mean, a lot of things that are like uh, like boxed or packaged, you know, the th- things that aren't like whole foods. So, like for example, like my biggest okay, so my biggest weakness, especially in high school, was Nabisco Chips Ahoy cookies. Oh like I so, loved so those now. things, right? 
So, like, before bed, every single night, I had, like, a whole box to myself with this giant glass of milk. And it's like, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't not have those. Like, those things were amazing. They still are. And it's tempting not to have them. But, yeah, anything, you know, in a, in a package like that, especially snack things, you know, that are just uh, kind of just thrown together with a bunch of ingredients to, you know, call it something that it really, you know, doesn't really advertise itself to be at all, you know? What about Waffle so, House? Oh, Waffle House is an exception. Absolutely. <laughs> Waffle House Waffle House is a, a definite exception. So if you're thinking about hopping on a diet, don't exclude Waffle House because, <laughs> A, the food's amazing, the service is amazing, and it's open 24 hours. It's- so, I mean... Jeez, you, just, you just can't go wrong with you it. Get it. You get the you get the food in like two minutes, and they're always the cook is always like singing some like R and B song oh. or something. Yeah, and you know the waitresses always want to hit on you when we show up, and it's like you know it's always a good time. All right, so for Brad, you're like in your mid twenties. Um, you're you're basically um, obviously you're preparing for your professional season, but you do this stuff year round with the athletic and nutrition side. What are um like what do you typically eat? In a, in a day like what's your meal plan for the day like specific foods or yeah, just like like, uh, like the last two days what did you eat um honestly i've been doing a lot of research and just i'll, I'll kind of briefly explain this but i've been doing a lot of research with um, juicing and blending um as, uh, whole foods especially produce foods like fruits and vegetables so for example i wake up every morning and i know that i'm going to have a um a dark green veggie slash fruit slash rolled oats and certain um, uh, spices and other products in the, that I throw into this giant blender and I blend it all up and I literally just, you know, drink it, you know, like the Hulk and just kind of stomach it all because I don't have time to eat, eat every individual, you know, thing that was in the blender. I just throw it all together knowing that that's what I need. And I just down it basically as fast as fast as I can. And the taste isn't bad, but it's just something that I always do every single morning. And um, that's a one thing that I always stress on. I'm just all about, you know, whole foods. You know, something that is it something that you know God put on this earth that grows from the ground, or is an animal that you know has just been naturally given to this earth? And that's what I ask myself. If not, um, I try to stay away from it. So. Everything that I have for breakfast, everything that I have for lunch and dinner is always, you know, whole foods, in a sense, organic and everything that kind of, you know, comes naturally to this world. And um, anything that's not, you know, I don't, I just don't, you know, shy away from. And it's always been a tendency, but it's always gotten a lot better, too, on the longer that I've just kind of, you know, pushed it off to the side. It's not necessarily a temptation anymore to eat things that I just know that aren't going to benefit me. They won't necessarily hurt me, but I just know they're not going to, you know, benefit me. Nice. All right. So a few questions. Are there any fast food restaurants out there that are healthy? And if so, what is, what's the healthier version of a fast food restaurant out there? Ooh. Um, I would probably say, um, things like, uh, a Chipotle, that's honestly probably a really good choice. There's a lot of good things that you could do in Chipotle. Um, a lot of people will do like a burrito bowl, but everything that you're looking um, while you're making like your burrito bowl or a burrito or taco, it's like that's all whole foods. You know, it's all it's all it's all organic. It's all 
fresh produce, it's all fresh meats and, uh, and things like that. Um, another example would honestly be for the burger side of things. I would say in and out isn't bad. Um, it's still necessarily, you know, fried foods, but I mean, it's not terrible. Um, it's something that you can honestly get away with once in a time. Personally, I get two four by fours every time I go with fries. And that's just a uh, kind of a cheat meal for me. And that's something that I kind of splurge on. Yes. I said two four by fours, not one, but two. So that's four patties, each burger and pieces. And, uh, you know, I just gotta, you know, put those bad boys away, you know, when I get the opportunity, but it's only once in a while that I kind of splurge out like that. I, so I think what Chris is it, asking it, is, is like, not, not like a cheat meal. Like, if if someone was like on a strict plan and they they couldn't make a meal or anything and they went to a fast food joint to eat something healthy, like really healthy, like you know like like we have Zaxby's down here in the south, which is like a chicken finger restaurant. Um, and so like if I was on a strict diet plan here, and the family wanted to go to Zaxby's, really like all I could either do is get like a grilled chicken sandwich, and not eat fries, or like get a salad. And make sure there's certain things that aren't on the salad. Like I think that's what Chris is asking is is like if people had like to, to go choose fast food real quick and they still wanted to make sure they're good on their plan is what's some good fast food options? Yeah, yeah. I would definitely say Chipotle, Qdoba, um, which is kinda like a Chipotle. Um In and Out isn't bad, isn't terrible. Um there's certain um Alright, so let's uh, let's just break that down. So like I go to Chipotle. I'm I'm uh I'm at Sioux Falls, all right. And this is what I'll eat. Uh, this is me personally. You tell me if this is good or bad, okay? Okay. All right. So uh, I go to the menu. All right. So I like I want a burrito. I want some chicken, some black beans. Uh, I want some some cheese. I want a lot of sour cream, and some lettuce, <laughs> and some guacamole, and uh, and some white rice, all right, and a medium Pepsi. So you're telling me that's healthy? I would I would definitely change a few options, for example. Right, so break that down, break that down, like, that part. What yeah, would you change? Yeah, so you walk in, you get a, hey, I want a burrito, you know, they'll ask you, hey, white or brown rice. I always say brown because there's a lot more fiber um, in brown rice than there is white, and there's, you know, a little bit of, you know, it, it'll kind of turn into, you know, stored, you know, fat because of the sugar and white rice. Everything's kind of stripped away from it. So I would do brown for sure. Black beans always because there's about two to three times more protein in there than in uh, pinto beans. So I always, always go black beans every time. Um, choice of meat is choice of meat. Um, to break down meats a little bit, chicken's very lean. Um, I would say any kind of red meat like uh, pork or beef is no problem. It's just a lot of a lot of time to digest, a lot more blood um, to break that down. Chicken's a lot more leaner and takes a little bit less time. Um, any kind of veggies like the sofritas or the fajitas, absolutely throw it on there. I would stay away from the cheese and sour cream, though. Yes, um, good. There you because, go. Just because it's, it's, it's big. I mean, saturated fat is in there, um, something that isn't terrible. You could use it. I just wouldn't recommend it just to... So you wouldn't have to worry about is what I'm saying. But as far as the guacamole goes, throw that stuff on there. Big spoon. Ask for double scoops, extra guac every single time because the good there's a lot of 
good fats and guacamole compared to like dairy products. So no, mm-hmm. nothing wrong with, uh, you know, extra, uh, you know, guacamole in the burrito. No doubt for sure. Nice. All right. Hot topic. I've seen it in the locker room. I just seen it growing up. Energy drinks. Good, bad. If you got to do it, is there one that's better than the other? What are your thoughts on energy drinks? Ooh, like specifically like rock stars, monsters, et cetera, is that what you're asking? Yep. Yeah, five hour energies. Any of them better than others or are they just all bad? What are your thoughts? Um, I'd say the five hour energy is not bad at all. You know, I I've used them before. Um I would I would tend to stay away from the rock stars, Red Bulls, you know, full throttles, the monsters. Um, if you had to have one of those, I would definitely go the zero sugar and zero calories. So you're only basically getting the, uh, the carbs and the stimulants of the caffeine or whatever the energy source of that drink is, um, just because you don't want a lot of things, um, storing in your cells as, as just, you know, a sugar, um, and also just be, just being stored as, you know, a bunch of fat in your system. And it's also very hard on vital organs like liver and kidneys to where it's like, it's, it's too much of an overload. Um, but if you had to have one, um, which I do from time to time, especially when I'm on the road, I would definitely say zero calorie and zero sugars for sure. Um, which is what the five hour energy really is, is a bunch of, um, B vitamins, a little bit of carbs and obviously a stimulant. So nice. All right. So most of us probably over 25 and people who are maybe married and have kids, we all know that time and energy is very limited. Um, if we were going to try to restructure our meal plan and just how we went about our, our healthy lifestyle from an eating standpoint, what are like maybe one or two like easy fixes right away where it doesn't get too costly to completely jump and buy Whole Foods foods and all that stuff? What's kind of, kind of give us something simple to start with. Um, as far as, like, a, the type of meal, you would say? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, yeah. So, just say I wasn't really eating healthy and I just needed to start getting back on track. What are what are easy fixes that don't get too costly that, you know, just a good transition into being a healthier person? Um, well, the, that, that's kind of the beauty about um, uh, whole foods is that they, they can last a really long time because when you're eating whole foods, you'll find yourself eating less portion-wise. Right, so you'll you'll be you'll be saving a lot of money for one, but you'll also be eating a lot less portion wise at the time. So it'll last a long time. Specifically, if it's just for yourself or if it's for your family, um, as far as a whole household goes. But um, uh, like fruit smoothies, like uh, dark green smoothies in the morning, um, go a really really long way. A lot of people think, well, that's it. That's all you have. It's like, well, yeah, it's all I have because I just dumped a bunch of, you know, fresh foods in there to where that's going to last me a long period of time to where sometimes I feel like I can skip lunch. I won't necessarily be hungry because I'm fuller longer and um, it just kind of breaks down in the metabolism and keeps your metabolism going for a lot longer rather than, you know, simple sugars that just burn so quickly, um, like processed or refined foods. Um, So... Anything with produce, obviously. Um, I'm a big oatmeal guy. Um, just get a big, you know, thing, a bag of rolled oats, and that can last you literally almost a lifetime, it seems, because it never runs out. And um, just uh, go about it that way. As far as being creative about, you know, taste, you know, I know some things can get very bland and very boring sometimes. 
but um, just to kind of get your, you know, get the ball rolling, so to speak, on trying to change your, to change the way you're eating and change kind of an overall lifestyle. Um, with that being a part of it, I think just staying with um, fresh produce, whole foods is the way to go because it will save you money in the long run. And also you will be having it last longer um, as you uh, continue to eat it. Great. Yeah, I think this is really valuable information for not only specialists, but just all of us, just people in general. I think Chris has really been asking a lot of these questions just to improve his health because he takes five-hour energy drinks, and he's been eating a lot of Waffle Houses, you know, that aren't up in Minnesota. And I'm just kidding. But, no, but this is good information, man. Um, and we, you could talk about this particular topic for probably a whole day. And so what I really encourage all of the kickers, punters, snappers, parents in general, I really encourage you guys to reach out to Brad. Uh, he actually has a degree uh, specifically designed uh, for this, and, and, and he's, he's very qualified. When he comes to our camps, we actually give him the whole classroom with the parents and, and kickers and snappers, and we just let him just talk, and we don't even mess with him because he does such a good job, and he's a subject matter expert, which is an SME in that field, and not only can he kick well, and he's a good Christian, and he's really a good, a good coach, he also can talk about these great topics. So I really encourage all of you to follow him on Instagram, B as in Brad, underscore Hattie. Uh, lately, he's really been active on his Insta story, and he's actually the, the Hulk drink. I saw him uh, post that, I think, yesterday morning, and uh, I was, like, kind of queezing watching that, but I, I also was intrigued. I kind of wanted to be like, man, I kind of want to try that because it kind of looks really healthy, and I want to be like Brad and uh, maybe be a little, maybe be a little more tan than Brad. Uh, you think he needs to work on his yeah, tan? Sure. But uh, before, as we transition to the weight room, we do have to ask a really important question, Brad. How do you keep your hair in place for such a long period of time, or how long does it take you to make your hair? <laughs> Two both great questions, and I will answer those proudly right now. So. <laughs> Honestly, that's just the art of barbers out here in California. It's just the way it's cut. So, honestly, you don't need too much product. It just lays the way it lays. And it's shaped the way it's shaped because of the way it's cut. And um, as far as, uh, what was the other question? Uh, how long does it take you to make it in the morning? Like Or like Ooh. if you're going to an event that night or whatever. I'll, I'll be honest. It probably takes about 10 minutes because I'll, I'll, I'll go through my whole routine right here, right now. <laughs> Coming, coming out of the shower, right, your hair's wet, it's damp, and I have two products. I use a shaper, and I use I use uh, another product, just kind of the finished product, where it looks shinier, if it looks kind of, you know, just put it into place, however you want to do it. So you come out of the shower, you put the, the shaper in there and damp hair, and then, then I blow dry it, dry it, and then you I also tease it with a brush to kind of shape it the way I want, and then I put the finished product in there to give it the look that I want, and then I'm out the door ready to rock and roll. See, man, this is important information for specialists. I mean, the specialists get cooler and have more swag every day, and you surely have that. So right, we're going to transition into the weight room. Uh, broad, broad question here. We have a lot of detailed questions, but uh, just in general, how important is the weight room for a specialist? Um, I would say, I would say, uh, I would say, pretty vital. Um, just because of 
I would say the reason being being so vital is that uh, um, it, it's all about stimulus. It's not so much about the movements in the weight room. It's I, I really want to stress on the stimulus that athletes are putting on their body um, rather than just being so caught up in the overall weight room. And what I mean by that is that, again, coming back to trends, is that a lot of people, especially young high school kids, um, coming up and I get DMs all the time saying, hey, what do you recommend in the weight room? What do you recommend in the weight room? And it's like, I just want to just say all of it. You know, do it all, right? Because it's going to make you a better athlete. However, the way that you're doing every single movement in the weight room is going to be the the difference and and kind of the deal breaker for a lot of guys is because it's very easy for a young high school kid to come in the weight room and it's like, man, I just want to put on weight, right? Even if he's not even a kicker, I just want to put on weight, but even kickers want to, you know, look good, right? I just want a physique because I see all these other guys walking around, they have a great physique, right? And they get sometimes so sidetracked of like kind of getting distracted. It's like, oh, I need a physique, a physique, a physique. And it's like, no, we need to be a better football player. You know, we need to be a better kicker. Right, so the stimulus that I put on my body might be different, even though we're doing the same movement. Right, so I would say as a kicker to kind of avoid the high volume, meaning a lot of reps. You know, that's going to kind of get your body swole. And again, I do that once in a while too, um, just because I want to stay balanced. I, I want to stay well, well-rounded. But there's a lot of stimuluses in the weight room for a kicker that are so much more important than just having a good physique. I would say. Take care of the stimulus, get the work done, and the, the physique will take care of itself later, for sure. Yeah. Do you think you can uh, nice. get... Nice. Go ahead, Chris. You have a question. Yeah, all right. So, all that was, all that's good, and let's kind of scale it down again for the dummies here, or the, the people who are just trying to get into it, because oftentimes we see, I know Brian can attest, Sometimes a lot of these kickers, they get by their whole high school career without hitting a weight, you know, and then they get to college and they're like, oh, man, you know, I got, I'm in the weight room all the time. If, if we're trying to get these high school kids to hit the weights just a little bit earlier so it's not such a big culture shock once they get to college, what are maybe like three or four good lifts to get started on that you think really help a specialist, um, you know, you, uh, improve the muscles that, that they need to kick or punt? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I would definitely say um, any type of barbell movement that is a very large and complex movement, meaning multi-joints are working, multi-muscle groups are working, um, and and then are very large movements and very dynamic movements. For example, a back squat or a front squat um, is probably one of the best movements um, for a kicker. Now, what I was kind of saying about stimulus with those things is that You know, what is a kicker and what is a punter, what is a long snapper even, if you want to bring them into the picture, is that those three athletes, kickers, punters, and long snappers, are very anaerobic, right? They're very highly explosive and quick, right? Their movements last, you know, one to two seconds, but it's very quick, it's very fast, it's very explosive. So knowing that, that's what we do on the field, we need to think about having that same type of stimulus and approach in the weight room, right? So if I'm not, if I'm doing, you know, a back squat with very moderate light weight and I'm just repping it out for, you know, 20 to 30 reps, it's like, well, 
uh, are we doing that on the field? No, we're not doing that on the field. I mean, we might be getting a big pump on, or muscles are getting swole, full of blood, and we're looking good, we're feeling good, but is that's what's transferring over compared to the guy that's you know doing you know moderate to heavy weight, and he's moving at only one to two reps, but he's moving that bar fast, and he's moving that bar explosive, and he's calling on all these fibers in his legs to move that bar you know as fast and ex- as explosive as he possibly can. So that is what's going to transfer over to the kicker, to the punter, and the long snapper out on the field. Um, as far as other movements, a deadlift, um, a back squat, a deadlift. Um, I would definitely say the, the hang cleans, the power cleans, even the full squat clean. Um, those are more power movements rather than strength movements. Uh, but they both have its purpose. And again, they're both being moved very fast. They're being moved very explosively. And, um, you know, a lot of very fast, vital fibers are being called upon, just like kicking and punting and lock snapping is. Right. Fantastic. This is great information. And, and another thing that I've noticed, Brad, on your Insta stories is it looks like you do a lot of uh, speed and agility stuff with the guy that you work out with. Uh, and, and so kind of maybe talk about uh, the benefits of agility workouts, speed and agility. Yep, absolutely. Um, um, spe- I mean, basically for me, um, specifically with kicking, you know, fast feet, fast legs are strong legs, you know. So how much torque and how much speed can I generate through a ball, you know, effortlessly is what's going to make, you know, for me that ball jump compared to, because I'm not, you know, a 250-pound dude with, legs the size of tree trunks um but yet i feel like i'm adequate enough to have legs that can move that amount of force and move that amount of weight with what i have because of speed because of agility um you know and also just having those fibers ready to just be trained under stress to fire at such a quick and extreme um amount of force of a rate to you know make that ball jump and so the thing about speed and agility, too, is that, you, you know, you ever have that kicker, that punter that you're watching, and it's like, holy crap, man. It looks like he hardly swings, and that ball just flies. Yeah. You know? Well, it, it's basically because the speed and agility, teaching those fibers to really fire under stress during training. So, therefore, when we come out onto the football field, we don't have to move that far because our fire or that hard because our fibers are trained to fire that way you know regardless of how much we're moving you know that's how you guys get honestly when it comes to physique that's how you get really jacked and lean okay. is speed ability and anaerobic when it comes to the weight room like moving the barbell um as far as the physique goes but all right so Brad, um but so yeah. let's use two let's use two kickers that a majority of our audience should be familiar with, even though Sebastian Janikowski uh, hasn't played this year because of injury. Um, let's use his frame, and let's also compare to a Cairo Santos's frame. So Cairo is like 5'8", maybe 165, 170. It's kind of a shorter, skinnier uh, kicker. Um, and then you got Sebastian Janikowski, maybe like six foot, six one, uh, well over 230 pounds, maybe even 250. Uh, but still fit. So, like, compare compare those two athletes and correlate that to the stuff you were just talking about. Like, even though we may not know exactly what those two kickers do, what do you think they do, or what do you think benefits those two type of bodies uh, that are playing at the highest level? Yeah, yeah. That's honestly a great comparison, too. Um, definitely probably something I'll continue to use because those are two great examples. 
um, just because it's really two extreme opposite sides of the spectrum. But I would say for Cairo Santos, I mean, being being with his height, his frame, you know, he's a yeah. I know he has a huge soccer background too, so that is a perfect example of someone that's going to really rely on speed and velocity on impact of the ball, right? Allowing his body to set up, um, you know, the right posture and just letting it just whip, right? Compared to, I mean, Sebastian Janikowski is doing that too. But one thing that Sebastian Janikowski can get away with is his weight behind the ball, you know? So I guarantee you that Cairo Santos is swinging a lot quicker than Seabass just because Seabass doesn't, you know, well, one, anatomically, he can't necessarily generate that much speed, but there's a lot of force behind that ball because of the weight that's coming behind it, you know? Yeah. So, for, for, for example, you know, you have a, you know, you have a Ferrari next to this, you know, big Ford F350, you know, and they're going to drag race. Well, the Ford's a lot bigger and it weighs a lot more, but, you know, it has the same motor, you know, underneath the, the hood as the Ferrari does, and Santos just doesn't have the weight, so he has to rely on that speed and that and that fast twitch. Nice, great example. I like that. Well, great. Well, uh, let's talk about kind of non-major uh, popular lifts. Now, let's let's talk a little bit about you know plyometric type things and pool workouts. What are some non-weight room type mm-hmm. of things? Brad, that kids can do to develop fast switch muscles. Okay, yeah, yeah. Honestly, I would, I, it's awesome that you brought up plyometrics because I would probably say I am a plyometric junkie. You know, I just love jumping high. I love jumping far. Um, you know, like I always refer to like a cat. You know, you look at like a wild cat, like a jaguar. I think they're some of the most athletic freak animals in the world is because, you know, you think about it, you have a cheetah, right, or something that's underneath a tree in the desert or the jungle, and it's like, oh, you know, some gazelles are running by, and it's just going to stretch like one time, and boom, all of a sudden they could just reach 80 miles an hour, you know, without blowing a hamstring out or something like that. Well, you know, I always think of like cats when I think of plyometrics is, you know, when you're jumping on a box or you're jumping over hurdles and doing bounding hurdles, you want to think about so much force into the ground and spending no time on the ground at the same time, you know, so it's all, it's kind of a sense of, of, of speed and agility, but it's jumping, you know, so you're not covering ground like you would be in speed and agility. You're just kind of, you know, getting air, basically jumping out, uh, ju- jumping up or jumping far. But when it comes to those types of exercises, I would definitely say box jumps for sure. Challenge yourself on how high you can even box jump or how quick you can get off the ground for a box jump. Um, any type of little hurdles to where we could bound and kind of just repeat the same jump on one leg even or even on two legs just to think about the ground. I like to think of the ground as hot lava. I think of the ground as hot lava to where it's like, hey, I don't want to touch it for too long. Mm-hmm. You know, I just want to be fast off the ground, fast off the ground, fast off the ground. And um, when it comes to the pool, um, uh, Coach Jackson actually gave me a lot of good insight when it came to the pool because I love the pool. Um because a it's resistance no matter how you move in the pool it's water you know so you're going to fight resistance no matter how and where you move in the water Uh, but you want to be really careful you know coach jackson actually you know taught me a lot about large movements in the pool because you're going to be working muscles and even tendons and ligaments that you wouldn't really work if you were outside the water right because it's the water that's making those um 
those ligaments and tendons work. So, you know, for example, we like to do uh, swings for kickers and punters, just dry swings in the water, you know, but it's very, very credible to consider not doing full range of motion all in one piece or all in one swing just because it kind of becomes unnatural to the human body when you're on the field trying to mimic same, uh, that same motion. So we kind of break it down in pieces of the backswing and just kind of do the backswing by itself and do the front swing by itself and kind of hold your posture waist deep underwater, et cetera, et cetera. But um, very, very valuable for sure because that's going to teach those fibers and probably even more fibers in your legs um, or even your arms as a long snapper to recruit as much as you can because the water resistance is everywhere. It's not like you're pushing a weight or pulling on a weight cable in one direction. It's you're you're moving in one direction, but the weight is all around you. If that makes sense. Yeah. So Brad, what do you? So you saw a bunch of kickers a couple weeks ago at our camp that you were um, a staff member at, and you know. 15, 16, 17 years old, football's over, um, so they're either getting into soccer or maybe getting into baseball potentially, or maybe they're not, and they may not be into a specific weight room class. So, like, what are, like, three things, like, if a kicker was listening to this right now, like, what are three things that they should be doing uh, workout-wise to make sure that, that they're ready for the fall next year? I would definitely say don't shy away from the barbell. Stay, stay, stay in the barbell, especially for a young guy in high school, because the more experience that you get with the barbell and in the weight room specifically, you know, with the back squats, the deadlifts, and especially the powerlifting with with the cleans and um, the snatches and, and et cetera, et cetera, that's going to be your bread and butter in college. So the more experience that you get with that, you know, now you're going to be so much ahead of the curve that you're going to be thanking yourself that, man, I'm glad I spent the time, you know, in the weight room with the barbell, just getting my body adapted to, you know, moving some serious weight and firing at a very explosive rate, um, hanging onto the barbell or with a big weight barbell on your back. So I would definitely say, you know, big, large, complex, dynamic barbell movements. Um, and also, you know, kind of just considering the plyometrics, the speed, the agility um, in various forms. I mean, there's countless ways to really get creative with um, that side of the or that aspect of training with speed and agility. Um, but really overall, I would say the overall way of thinking is just, again, think stimulus because it's so easy for a young 15, 16-year-old kid, you know, hormones are raging, you know, the testosterone's going crazy, you know, he wants to impress the ladies at school, so he just wants to get big, swole, you know, as big as he can, so just don't buy into that way of thinking in the training, because I see it all the time, I really do, and they come out in the field, and it's like, holy crap, I can't even move now, I'm big, I look pretty, but I can't even move anymore, it's like, well, that's just the stimulus that you've been putting on your body, rather than, you know, maybe the movements that aren't so pleasing for the mirror, you know, that are just going to be more beneficial for your body when it comes to, you know, being a better kicker and punter. That's awesome, man. That's all true. And, um, you know, just every little nugget you can pick up from this, uh, hopefully you guys can take back and, and, and improve yourselves. And last thing I really wanted to, really wanted to touch up on here, and it was something that I didn't really – pay much attention to until actually I got out of college was, was stretching. 
you know, and yoga and all those different things. And yoga was just starting to become popular when I was getting out of college. But, um, Brad, I wanted to ask you, what are some good stretches or plyometric type things that, or I'm sorry, yoga type stretches that are that are good for specialists with developing balance and, and really maybe maximizing some, some range of motion? Um, yeah, I would say, I wouldn't say there's really any, like, uh, specific stretches um, that are beneficial um, or more beneficial than others. I would probably just want to put, put the picture in an athlete's mind of their posterior chain. And what I mean by that is their erector spinae, which is their lower back, their glutes, their hamstrings, and their calves. So all their leg muscles, including their lower back on the back side of themselves, um, to be stretched out constantly because your posterior chain as a kicker and punter is like your motor, you know, it's your engine, you know, so that's what you really want to be firing efficiently. And what I mean by efficiently is to have, like you were saying, coach used be is the range of motion you always want to have because it's real easy to really train those muscles very hard and, and not stretch. And when it comes to stretching, I'm always a firm believer of dynamically stretching for sure before training and static taking the time to statically stretch after training, whether it's in the weight room or even kicking and punting to really just elongate those muscles, release the tension, get the lactic acid flushed out, get the blood gorged back in there and um, really start the recovery process before you even get back to the house, you know, or before you get home you know, before the protein shake even goes in. And um, I would just really consider the, the time and the discipline of that because it's really easy to think, oh, man, I just had this killer workout. I PR'd, you know, on my back squat. It's like, now I'm just going to go home and, you know, really, you know, think highly of myself and just forget the stretching part. And I know it's boring. It might, you know, be, you know, a lot of time. But, man, I tell you what, especially as you get – you know, kind of older. I mean, I'm 25, going to be 26 this month. It, it'll, you'll be thanking yourself for sure. And it goes a long, long ways, especially if you want to have that career that, you know, can last as long as it can. You know, it's just one of those little things that's like, who's going to have the edge? You know, who's really taking care of themselves? Statically stretching is definitely one of those things. No doubt. No nice. doubt. Yeah, I think all this has been fantastic information. I just got one last question before we head out here is, um, so, Brad, you're going to be transitioning to the arena game, which, uh, you know, I'll be providing you a lot of um, input and, and guidance uh, as you get closer to your season and throughout the season, uh, just personally. But just, just hearing – I haven't even asked you this question yet, but uh, as, as you've been watching the arena game and the indoor leagues, you're very aware that there's no kicking net. Uh, you're pretty much in like a, like a icing rink, like a hockey game, kind of like box with your teammates. So um, how are you preparing yourself – for when you're in a game and you're going to be kicking anywhere from seven to ten extra points, and and ten to twelve kickoffs in a game, anywhere from eighteen to twenty-two reps in a game, how are you preparing to like not have that avenue of getting to kick into a net and you're just basically going out there kind of quote unquote cold? Yeah, great question for sure. Um, I, I'm sure I'm probably find a way to to stay warm um kind of in the box where the players are not really kicking wise but stay warm and stay kind of moving around kind of keep my legs firing you know keep them you know blood in there kind of thing you know all game long really because it's you know a, a whole game process but um i would definitely be the guy that comes out dry swinging on my way you know to the attempt 
you know, get some get some reps, you know, just kind of against the air, you know, on, on a couple dry swings before I actually kick the ball. Um, but uh, but yeah, I would definitely just want to stay cautious of you know not standing around in a position for too long, get caught up, you know, being a spectator of the game and kind of forgetting, hey, I got to go in there, you know, you know, seven to ten times a game, who knows? But you know, however many opportunities there are, but um, definitely just wanted to kind of just be active in the box, you know, just kind of keeping my dynamic stretching going, you know, keeping my range of motion going, not getting stiff, especially if I'm standing or sitting or whatever the case may be. So, yeah, so yeah definitely. Great so question. Two tips I'll give you real quick on, on this podcast just because I want to do it is uh, two things. One is whenever there's a timeout from either team or like a TV timeout or whatever, that's a golden opportunity just to run out there on the field and just like just right outside the box, just get in there on the field and just get one or two quick gyreps. Two, two reasons. One, it keeps you warm and loose. And two, it kind of confuses the other team. Like, I've done that before in the past, and people are like, wait, wait, they're doing a field goal? You know, so, like, uh, obviously I'm not doing a field goal, but that's one. And another, another thing, too, Brad, is um, just be aware of your feet uh, because there's you got, like, these big D linemen and O linemen, and, and you, it's such a small box depending on an away or home game. Um, so just watch out for your feet because I've been stepped on like multiple times and obviously your feet are very valuable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, Definitely. Chris, you got one more question or, or what do you, what would you like to, how would you like to finish this interview, Chris? No, this is awesome. <laughs> no, I, I, we touched on so many subjects, guys. Um, this you is know, about an hour. You guys, you know, we, we got a lot of parents here, and we got a lot of specialists that listen to this podcast. You know, a lot of your guys' teammates, quarterbacks, DBs, running backs, all of them could benefit from just listening to this type of stuff, too. So, you know, encourage and pass this on and share it with your buddies. So, uh, Brad, this was amazing. I know it was supposed to be about a 20-minute interview, but we were fed with so much knowledge, so thank you. Oh, gosh. Hey, it's a pleasure to be with you guys. I'm, I'm grateful to have the opportunity to be on here. Thank you. Yeah, guys, Brad is uh, not, um, he's obviously uh, one of our coaches at our camps that we do. He's been to several of our camps, and, and he's integral. But we really encourage you to follow him on Instagram, uh, B underscore Hattie. Uh, if you don't have Instagram, um, you can find him on Facebook, Bradley Hatfield. Um, uh, so just, just hit him up. Uh, he's always willing to respond or get back to you. Um, and if you also just want to contact us, you can at Special Teams FB and Team Jackson Kick on Twitter, and, and we can also refer you to him if, if you can't find him. But again, Brad, thanks again, man. Uh, wish you the best of luck this upcoming season. Thank you so much, Coach. I appreciate it. Yep, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Thank you, Coach. Man, it was so great getting back with Brad and just hearing all of the expertise and, and information and knowledge that he's given out and just pouring himself out to the specialist. Chris, what do you think about that interview, man? I thought it was great, you know, just, I think I alluded to it a little bit in our interview, but um, I didn't really pay too much attention to what I ate and trying to be healthy, even though I was a pretty healthy guy, but just, if I would have just done a little bit more of that, a little bit more stretching and plyometrics back in the day, you know, it probably could have opened up the doors for me just a little bit quicker, so hopefully you specialists that are listening to this can take a few nuggets from that and just start applying it right away. You know, because I, I learned it the hard way a little bit, if I want to say the hard way, but it's uh, some good stuff right there. Yeah, you know, i just really appreciative of Brad taking the time 
Uh, we got a whole hour, just like we were hoping for. We allotted an hour, and we got an hour out of Brad. And, and man, he just said so many good things. And it was interesting even talking about, like, going to Chipotle and, and how you can eat, you know, quote-unquote healthy, you know, or not even the quotes, how you can eat healthy at something like Chipotle, you know. And so I just I thought it was really cool and just different things apply metrics and anything with a bar in the weight room things like that i just really liked all that information i think that would be super helpful for all of these specialists that have been dming us and and asking us and we when we could give our piece of advice but we'd rather a young free agent guy that has a degree and stuff like this to be able to explain uh his his thoughts hey real quick before we get into our third segment we're going to talk about some stats here we have had um right at 900 listeners through seven weeks of podcasting, and our top countries that have been listening to us, obviously a uh, high percentage and majority of, is United States, no doubt about it, but um, we have folks from Mexico, Hong Kong, we have folks from the United Kingdom, Germany, Brazil, uh, t- those are our top countries, Chris, that have been listening to us in the last seven days. That's pretty sweet. So, I mean, thank you guys. Again, we've become an international podcast thanks to you guys. And so, thanks for spreading the word, guys, and sharing it with your friends and your your fellow kickers and specialists. And here in America, our top states so far has, has been uh, California, Florida, Minnesota, Georgia, Alabama, Indiana, and Ohio and West Virginia. New Jersey, Virginia, I already said that. No, no, I said West Virginia, Virginia, and Wisconsin. All right, Wisconsin. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, pretty cool to see the statistics, uh, folks listening to this, and, and we're, we're very thankful again for you guys tuning in. So, Chris, uh, lead us into our third segment. All right, so segment three, what our goal is, each week that we do these podcasts is to try to find a relevant topic that, that is affecting you guys today or recently. So what we wanted to talk about today is, is, is what happens now, now that early signing period has just started or just, just happened and kind of the what's next approach for a lot of you guys. Cause we know that 99% of you specialists out there probably are still looking for a home and trying to sort the stuff all out. So, um, now that the 1%, they're kind of out of the way and they, they, they're committed, uh, let's talk about what's next. Right. So, I mean, for for junior college guys, um, they could sign uh, from December 20th, I believe was the first date. Right, Chris? Was it December uh, yes, 20th? I think so. It was almost a week ago, uh, Wednesday last week, um, through January 15th. Okay. Um, for regular high school guys, all right, there was an early signing period for, for three days, December 20th to the 22nd. And uh, and this was a new new rule change. I guess they used to do it a long time ago. And this gives college coaches a chance to to uh, get get guys early. You know, and again, like Chris said, it's for specialists, it was literally like 1% of, you know, the population of kickers, punters, and snappers. So we've really been harping and telling kids, and I think they're responding well, <clears throat> hey, guys, just relax, be patient. If you didn't get signed on early signing period, it's not a big deal. So what's next up, the regular signing period is February 7th through April 1st. So that's literally um, February, March, you know, a good solid two months worth 
uh, leading up to April 1st to, to sign to where you want to go to. Now, if you don't get a signing and you get to walk on, there have been so many specialists, not only that we've interviewed on here, but that we've talked to at our camps and, and all that have walked on and done super successful and done have done well. Yep. So let's give you an example. So it's very common and popular, guys, for us to all follow on social media some of the big-name specialists out there, ones that are ranked high on the big boards and things like that. And, oh, my gosh, they're getting they're getting – seven eight ten fifteen offers and oh gosh this this stinks man well tell you what guys that kid can only go to one school he cannot go to 15 schools or 10 schools or seven or however many offers you got and they're probably all really nice named schools but he's got to choose one so let's let's assume he chooses one of the big name schools out there well those other nine schools that give him offers they now have to start scrambling and try to find that next guy. So maybe they have to go to their second guy on their list, their third guy, their fifth guy, their seventh guy, because maybe they offered all the top ten specialists out there. So there's a lot that can be playing out now over the next few weeks. And I know Brian, as opposed same with myself, we've had uh, phone calls and conversations and text messages with some from coaches from uh, some, some Power 5 programs. And so we just want to let you guys know that it's not over. There's still hope to play at that Division One level as well, but uh, just let the process play out. But you gotta, you gotta follow the three Ps that Brian talks about. Yeah, again, yeah, you know, we've t- we've harped on this in other podcasts. Is you gotta be proactive, you gotta be persistent, and you gotta be patient. Um, hey, Chris, real quick, for some of the specialists that don't know, because I know there's some out there that don't know, when you mentioned Power Five, what do you mean by Power Five conferences? Well, the Power Five conferences are the five biggest. Uh, college football program divisions or conferences out there. So let's just kind of role play a little bit. Uh, we have the Big Ten. Yep. We have the SEC. Yep. Uh, we have the Pac-10, I believe, correct? Yep, Big 12. AC, and, or Pac-12, yep, sorry, ACC. No, Big 12. Or Big 12. And then the ACC. And the ACC, yep. So those are teams from those particular programs that we're talking about when we say Power 5. Yeah, so we're tar- talking about like the, the – uh, I don't want to say the elite, but just the, the, the big dogs, the, the major programs out there. However, there's several other major programs that aren't in the Power Five. And you got schools like Notre Dame that's not in the Power Five conference, right? Correct. You know, they're a major program. So, all right, cool. So, uh, just kind of spinning off on Chris, I'm going to use a kid as an example. There's a kid by the name of Scott Goodman that comes to our camps, uh, 2018 class, is a senior. Uh, there's 14 junior colleges in Mississippi. Um, and he's got, I want to say eight, at least eight, maybe nine of those 14 JUCOs that have offered him a scholarship. Okay. Well, he's also got other interests from FCS schools and some preferred walk-ons at FBS schools, but let's just say he takes an FCS offer and he signs. Well, those eight to nine JUCOs that offered him now are going to be going to their next guy in line. So if I were a Mississippi kicker, senior which we have several that just attended our camp i would be hitting up all those schools being very persistent and proactive saying coach i'm really interested in your program would love to attend you know just setting myself up so whenever scott makes his move those guys are going to be wondering like well crap we were kind of banking on scott who can we go to next so that's just a perfect example of just because one guy has eight or nine offers or four or five offers you know you need to be looking at 
um, who's who's dropping off. So, Chris, can you give the example with Grant last year? Oh, sure, sure. So we had a there's a specialist that I trained up up in this area. Name is Grant, and um, he had opportunities from a number of big time Division One schools, and um, he had. He had well, he probably could have gotten offered from almost every school, but I only heard of some of the ones that he had a lot of interest in. But he had interest for some major schools, and he ended up selecting uh, one school in particular that was his best fit. And then the dominoes kind of fell into place again with those guys, the other schools that he had to let go of. And and those schools ended up having to find people after signing day as well. So it works out in that, that way as well. Um, but I wanted to just talk about one quick thing about JUCO schools since we were on the topic here. <coughs> just just some of the benefits of, of going to a junior college because you know sometimes there's a stigma that that you can't go you don't want to go to JUCO it just doesn't look good and all that stuff. But but some major benefits that come out of playing in junior college football. One is you get a chance to play right away. You play as a freshman versus if you would have gone to a big time Division one school or D two school or wherever. And maybe you have to wait until your junior year to finally play. So a junior college gives you that opportunity to play right away. Two, let's talk about grades. Maybe your grades weren't as, as solid as they should be, but junior college can op- offer you that opportunity to get your grades up so that you can transfer into a, a bigger program after one or two years. So there's some, there's some good benefits just with going the JUCO route as well. Are there yeah. any more benefits we can touch upon? Yeah, sometimes coaches just assume that since you're at a JUCO program that you have bad grades. But like Josh Smith, that just attended our camp in Mississippi, for example, uh, he's he's more than likely going to sign with East Mississippi Community College, the number one JUCO program in the country, uh, to play baseball and football. Uh, it isn't for sure yet, but I think he's verbally committed to them. Um, but again, he has a 30 ACT and a 3.2 GPA. You know, the GPA is okay, but a 30 ACT, like, holy smokes, like, love to get that. But, again, he's wanting to go to East Mississippi. He's, he's keeping his options open. He's going to be able to be on scholarship playing baseball and football. So he's just giving himself his best opportunity for either route that he wants to go. So in two years, he can decide where he wants to transfer out to. Yep. The other uh, topic I wanted to talk about that has to do with signing and finding schools is is the consideration of attending Division two and Division three schools, guys. There's nothing shameful with going to a Division two or Division three school as well. We all know everybody wants to play at the highest level they can, the biggest program they can. But you guys do need to know that the demands to play at a Division one elite school or just Division one program as a whole are extremely high. You may not like the rigorous work schedule. Or, or, or athletic schedule that you have, getting up at 5 in the morning to lift, then going to school, then going to practice, then going back and do team meetings and things like that. It's fairly rigorous. Um, but want you guys to be able to be open to the idea of schools from other divisions, all right? Yep. Some, of these, some of these schools allow you to play right away as a freshman, you know, because they have a big need. So what, what would you rather have, four years playing at, it, say, a Division two or Division three school, or one year playing at a Division One school. Sometimes that happens. Um, another benefit, guys, is be open to schools you've never heard about. Okay, there's schools out there that have big um, pools of money to hand out as as athletic or academic scholarships because they received a big grant from some donor that 
that graduated from their school that has millions of dollars and just wanted to give some money back to the school. There's money out there to be earned, whether it's academically or athletically, at schools you maybe haven't even heard of. And it's a chance for you to get your education paid for as well. Yeah, now there's several NFL specialists out there that did not play D1A ball. Uh, I think Greg Zuerlein did not play Division One A football, and he was the Pro Bowl kicker, you know, of one of the conferences this year in the NFL. Um, yeah. So again, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. You, you don't have to go D1 major FBS, um, you know, to to fulfill your dreams. Um, sometimes it's nice to go to a smaller school. It's not as much pressure. You're going to have pressure regardless, but sometimes it's intimidating kicking in front of 100,000 people week by week by week and, and then getting death threats if you miss one field goal. I mean, the Alabama kicker, Andy Papanatos, his first uh, game of the season, he struggled, and everyone freaked out, and he ended up finishing off with, like, close to 90% field goal percentage on, on, the, on the season. So, I mean, uh, it, it, but if you go to a mid-major FBS or an F, FCS D1AA program or D2 program, you're not going to catch as much grief missing one or two kicks. I mean, obviously we want to make every kick, but you got to keep that in mind too. It's it's nice having the notoriety and, and the credibility of playing at this huge powerhouse program, but sometimes it can be very intimidating, and, and you got to make sure you're mentally prepared for it. Yep. And like we always say, guys, if you have the leg, the scouts, the teams, they'll find you. You know, if you got a, if you can kick the ball off 75, 80 yards at the Division One level or Division Two or Division Three, I mean that's a big time league right there. So, as long as you can put up the right numbers when you get those opportunities to play, that that league will will help help uh, teams find you. And so we're about to wrap up this podcast, but we want to make sure you guys are ready for our next podcast because we're going to have an awesome guest on there. And we're also going to be talking about grad transfers. We're going to be speaking about why potentially you want to finish your degree early, potentially to be a grad transfer prospect as a specialist. And I think this is a hot topic item in the industry, and I just don't think people know anything about it yet. For the majority, people don't understand it. And uh, we've had to learn about it over the last year because we have college coaches asking us about it. So we're going to save that topic um, for next week's podcast uh, going into the new year. And so we really hope you guys listen. We hope you guys subscribe to the 4th Down Experience podcast on iTunes and or SoundCloud. And just stay up to date. Again, if you if you felt like you learned something from this, like tweet at us or send us a DM on 4th Down Experience on Instagram or, or text us, whatever. And we'll give you a shout out. We'll answer your questions. Just just make sure to stay in contact with us. And, and again, we really enjoyed having Brad on here today. Yes. Thank you guys all for the support. We will see you at our New Year's podcast. See you in the new year. Thank you for listening to the 4th Down Experience. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at 4th Down Experience.